Welcome to the Serious Leisure Podcast. I am Petya Petrova. Hi, I'm Kat Branch. Hi, I'm Sam Elkington. Sam is from Teesside University. Kat and I work at UE Bristol, where this podcast is produced. This podcast is a place for us to share stories about leisure. We talk about how we balance work and life commitments with leisure time. We reflect on the profound impact leisure can have on our lives. We draw from the serious leisure perspective in our discussions to help us unpack our experiences. We're joined here today by our podcast guest, Justin Irigen. Justin is social media manager at UE Bristol. Welcome, Justin. Hi. Justin is here to talk about his passion for DJing. But before we delve into Justin's DJ life, let us find out a little bit about his professional role. Justin, can you please tell us what you do for a living? Uh, yeah, so I'm uh, so I'm the social media manager for UE Bristol, uh, which involves managing all the the key social media channels for for the university, um, dealing with incoming queries, creating content, sharing content. Um, you know, just trying to kind of uh, engage our students, trying to engage ex external partners, um, prospective students, um, and you know, trying to trying to have some fun as well. You know, social media is fun, so creating some good content for people to engage with. Um, yeah, that's it, really. Thanks, Justin. So, social media manager sounds a lot of fun and quite engaging, but you, outside of your job, are also doing a little bit of work and engagement with DJing. So can you tell us a little bit about your DJing story? Where did it start and how did it start? How did it progress and where we currently find you? Okay, so I think in terms of my, my DJing story, you probably have to start from just my love of music, which I think if you spoke to anyone who, who calls themselves a DJ, that's where it all begins. They're just they're, they're pure love of music. So. My love of music, really, I think the earliest I can kind of trace it back to was probably when I was kind of 12, 13, really, when I really kind of started seeking out music that I actually enjoyed rather than just having to listen to whatever my parents played in, in the car, which was generally a lot of Motown and reggae, which I hated when I got to 12, 13. But then now I realise it's actually good music and it was a good foundation for me. But um, yeah, when I got to kind of 12, 13, I kind of, I started listening to kind of rap, really. Rap as it was known then, hip hop. Um, formed a duo with one of my friends called A to J. Called A to J because he was called Andrew. <laughs> and I'm called Justin, so... You know, of course, it was very original, creative back then. So, um, so yeah, we 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 kind of started from uh, what we started. What we started first doing was uh, like kids' poems, like rapping kids' poems, really, and then using that as a basis, changing the words a little bit to um, you know essentially write write raps and and recording ourselves on tapes, which was. Yeah, I'd love to know, like, if he still got those tapes, because, yeah, that would be funny to listen to. But um, so that was kind of like, you know, my earliest time I remember kind of really sort of seeing it as something I really enjoyed and, 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 and kind of wanted to get into. Justin, yeah. before you continue, 
I've become aware that some people don't know what tapes are. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, for, for those of us that are, uh, you know, in our uh, probably over 30, I guess, um, in, our, in our prime. In our Justin. prime, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well said, well said, Kat. Um, yeah, tapes were something you could you you could record to something that um, essentially they were they were kind of like plastic rectangles with a tape in. I say a tape. I mean like a little bit of plastic rope essentially within it and you and you could and you can record music on it and you could buy albums on it you could buy singles on it um they a lot of the time if you if you if there was a bit of music you loved and you played it every day eventually it would get stuck in your tape player because obviously you needed a tape player to play tapes and you would have to try and untangle it all and sometimes tape it back together um yeah so <laughs> and if you played it too much eventually it would just snap or it would just sound rubbish so yeah uh it was great fun in a way and that's all we had at the time this was but they, you know it was kind of it was modern technology at the time you know it came after after vinyl and yeah it was kind of it was kind of cheap and you could you could fit more music on it than you could could vinyl essentially um and yeah it had the added it had the added bonus of actually you could buy blank cassettes and you could record you could record anything you wanted on it so yeah that's what we that's what we used to use and, and my, my friend had a little portable um tape player which was also uh you could also record on um and i, I actually remember it had like a special feature of it was bass boost anyone who had also had a walkman probably but those that was always used to be the special feature little bass boost so you'd click the bass boost and it would just up the bass like a little notch and you think oh amazing really i think it's really amazing <laughs> i think our listeners are really missing out on the visual of Sam smiling and nodding through this description and revisiting our youth <laughs> this is what i like to call the good old days yeah, 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 yeah. The glory is true, though, because actually it was the first time you could record your own stuff, which is what I really love. Justin is that you know you couldn't you couldn't get vinyl and then record you rapping with a with a pal on vinyl, could you? So that's why cassettes were so great. <laughs> you and also, something own. else you could do, Cat, is you could mix the songs up, so you could record different mm -hmm. songs together. So you could record stuff from the radio, put some other stuff on there from another tape. So yeah, it, it, you can't. You, you have to be really on it to be able to do that with the digital side mm -hmm. of things these days but it was actually quite it was it was yeah analog i love it analog i love it well i have to say i'd love to know if your friend andrew's still got those tapes justin that would be, that would be amazing anyway i interrupted your story so i didn't know you had to do a media history today did you <laughs> so i'll um, let you i'll let you pick it back up yeah, so that was yeah that you know that was kind of my first sort of foray, I guess, into 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 music, into kind of almost like following a passion, really. Um, and yeah, that was when I was kind of twelve, thirteen. Um, and then you know a little bit later on, when I got to kind of fifteen, um, just through doing music at school, I. I took an interest in wanting to teach myself to play guitar. So I um, 
I, yeah, I, I, I kind of done that really. I uh, bought myself a guitar for my pocket money, just a cheap acoustic thing. Um, I bought some, you could, you probably can still buy them, but you, like albums, they, you could go into like, like Virgin Megastore kind of back then and you could buy um, like the music score for, for albums. I forgot what I've got what the actual sort of technical term for it is. Um, Cat might be able to help me, but um, you could essentially buy, and it would it would have like the different chords and the notes that you had to play. Um, so yeah, I'd go there, and uh, actually, I think what <laughs> what I used to do because I didn't have much money is I'd go into Virgin Megastore and just write down, have a bit of paper, and just write down the chords. That yeah, and then take it home, and then try and strum along to the album that I would be listening to on cassette or actually no at that point it was CD so you know <laughs> we'd moved into the into the uh into the kind of the next next stage really sorry and, Justin can you just give us the history of the CD as well <laughs> <laughs> oh, then we'll then we'll move on to the mini disc and uh, <laughs> oh, I, I love what you're saying Justin sorry to interrupt you again but I you know when I was doing my music training um the, the one thing I wanted to learn to do the first thing I learned to do in my formal training was to work out the chords for the same reason because I was tired of you know you flick through and you're like oh okay and I'm writing down what the chord sequence is and uh so I, I uh asked my music theory teachers back when I was little um about 11 I was like this is the one thing I want to do first to save me having to go down to HMV and come through <laughs> so I love the fact that we're doing that I realized I wasn't I wasn't the only one anyway um so yeah and then I, I kind of got to the stage where actually I could listen to you know, a song that I liked on, on, on CD and work out that I could work out the chords. So I, I actually got to that point, you know, first from the kind of the, the bass, I think it was like the bait, you know, you'd work out the kind of notes and then you'd work out the kind of chords. So I got to that stage. Um, and then, yeah, you know what it's like when you're young, you kind of, you move from one interest to the other. So I kind of got bored maybe of, of trying to learn guitar when I got to 16, 17. Obviously, being 16, 17, there were other things that came into my life in terms of trying to, you know, chat chat up women, you know, all this sort of stuff. So there were other interests. <laughs> um, and also, to be to be honest, I I kind of I think I kind of hit a hit a ceiling really with with my uh with teaching myself to play guitar in terms of uh, the next stage to me was kind of learning the scales really and I just couldn't really get my head around it um but yeah no I I, I got to a decent stage and I think I, I kind of got to a stage where I I could play what you call like what rhythm guitar isn't it it's like rhythm guitar essentially so I could have you know my, my some of my friends who played drums and bass and were kind of a lot more talented than me. I, you know, I would have like a jam sort of session with them now and again. So, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that. And then, uh, yeah, you know, kind of 16, 17 sort of spent less time on it. And then, yeah, kind of, that kind of takes me on to, to university really. Uh, so when I came to university, um, you know, obviously I was 18 then, I was in university, big bright lights of Bristol. Um, and yeah, obviously just got into clubbing, really. Got into clubbing, got into um, into drum and bass. I mean, I, I must, I, it's probably worth saying I was kind of 
I was into a lot of different music anyway. I wasn't, I wasn't kind of restricted by a certain genre. I, I kind of, as I say, early on, really into kind of hip hop. Um, and then from learning guitar, got into more kind of, yeah, guitar, maybe guitar bands. I was, uh, you know, all the obvious ones really of, of kind of, you know, things like Nirvana really. And um, I suppose, well, yeah, when I was 15, there was like Oasis and that kind of indie stuff as well. Um, Rage Against Machine I used to like as well. Um, so yeah, that kind of stuff I I, I liked. And I was, sorry, I, probably something mentioned, worth mentioning as well, which kind of fueled a lot of the music I liked was um, I, I used to sort of skateboard. So I was into skateboarding. So, so on, you know, get skateboarding videos, that's another another medium from the from the nineties VHS. So uh, on on VHS, yeah, you know, v, uh, skateboarding videos. They would have all sorts of music, but but mainly hip hop and uh, and rock, really punk punk music. So so yeah, I kind of learned about different bands and different uh, and, uh, rappers and stuff like like that from kind of um, watching skateboard videos. Um, and yeah, so, so so moving on, yeah, came to university, started going clubbing, um, and the, and the music I was clubbing to was was drum and bass, drum and bass really. And and, and you know, anyone who knows Bristol knows there's there's a big link with Bristol and drum and bass. You know, got uh, Ronnie Size and and people like that. So uh, and especially when I was at university, um, kind of early two thousands, it was drum and bass was huge um especially in, in bristol um so yeah drum and bass and, and hip-hop obviously hip-hop and actually uk hip-hop was pretty big at that time so um yeah i was doing that um and the people i kind of lived with in my student houses they were all into djing in one form or another so i was lit i was i was living with people who actually had um turntables and it was vinyl turntables back then. Uh, <laughs> so um, I kind of, through just having, always having someone in the house who, who had turntables, I kind of took an interest into it. And, and like with all things that I get, get into, my, into my life, really, which I kind of reflected, which I've refl reflected on as an adult, as I've got older, is um, I'm someone who kind of, I'll sort of hold back for a while, almost survey the scene and then see, oh, is this something I want to get into? But once I lock onto it and think, actually, yeah, I, you know, this, this, this gives me happy feelings. This is something I want to do. Then I'll just, I'll immerse myself properly. And that, you know, even talking, talking from just my early experiences of music, of, of recording raps on tapes to thinking, oh, I want to, I get a guitar and and and, and learn to play that. Um, and there's other things, you know. I, I play football and stuff, and I've kind of managed teams and captain teams and done all sorts and and whatever. I'm not someone who's just a passive fan. If that makes sense. Once I'm into something, I want to be properly involved. So so yeah, I was um, learning to DJ, you know, from pe from people at turntables in my house. Um, by even buying the vinyl then, even though I didn't actually have my own equipment, you know, buying vinyl because I was so interested and wanting to dive in and learn more. Um, I sort of collecting that, that kind of drum and bass vinyl back then and, 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 and slowly kind of picking it up essentially. Um, and then left university, started, moved into the world of work and um, 
I was working, so immediately after I left university, I was working in IT support. I don't know why, it was just a job, essentially. Just a job to, to have some money and um, club, you know, some money to go clubbing, essentially. <laughs> you know? But anyway, um, that, that job I got, remade, I got made redundant from, and I got payoff. And with that money, and the payoff wasn't actually that much. I was thinking about this every day. It was only, it was like £1,500, which was not, you know, it was not really that much for, for a payoff. But anyway, because I was into DJing, but I didn't have my turn, any turntables at the time, I was like, well, you know, I'm getting this lump of money. What better to do than spend it on turntables? Everyone was sort of give, being negative. Oh, you know, this is it's a big waste of money. Most people who buy turntables don't, you know, don't keep it on, don't keep it up essentially but I'd already had like a let's say a, a kind of stack of vinyl by that that, that point because I've been collecting it for, you know for university and stuff I just didn't have turntables so um bought the turntables um and yeah I just you know that, that kind of took it on to the next level really because I was already at a decent standard but I'd never DJ at a club I, I'd just been your know, kind of standard bedroom DJ learning on my friends turntables but once I got my own and I could use them anytime I want that kind of took me to a next level really um but the thing that kind of really kind of almost sort of put my name out there was I, I started a club night so my own club night so a drum and bass club night um so that would have been yeah that would have been like sort of 2006 seven um and so that allowed me to, to DJ in a club. And actually, you know, because anyone will tell you, especially back then, I don't, I'm not sure if it, it, it's similar now, everyone, you know, everyone knew a DJ or everyone wanted to be a DJ. And, and there's a lot of nepotism in that kind of, in those circles. So for you to be asked to DJ at someone else's club night is, is very difficult. So the, almost the easiest way to kind of, get your foot in the door is just to run your own night so you know that wasn't the reason I was doing it I was doing it because I was interested in drum and bass I love drum and bass and and kind of um in fact actually what you know what 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 I was doing and what me and my friends were doing is what we were kind of just having our own parties really uh we were all having a good time in you know in in, in people's living rooms and, and whatever so we're like this is such a good vibe why don't we just do it in a club so we um so yeah, we we started a night. It was called called Signal. Um, it was myself and one of my one of my friends. Um, so that the, the kind of ethos of the night was um, we would pick DJs that are kind of nationally internationally known, but they were kind of new up and comers almost. And that they would be the headliners. So they would have, we'd, we'd book one headliner and the rest, pe- rest of the people in the lineup would be kind of local people and obviously myself and, and, and my friends. So that gave me the experience of then DJing in the club. But also, apart from that, it allowed me to network with other promoters in the city. So other people that ran other club nights. Um, you know, because what happens in, that, in those circles are, Again, back then, I'm talking 2000, people used to actually physically hand out what you call flyers, you know, physical flyers. I think you know, now everything's done on social media. Um, people want guest lists to your to your night because they want to come down and hand flyers or they want to get someone who works for them to come down and hand flyers. So you end up just networking. You end up knowing everyone who runs club nights in the city. Um, and then through that, you know, you go, okay, 
should we collaborate? Should we do a club night together? Or do you want to come play at my club night? Or uh, can I play at your club night? And, and that's how you, you, you network. So, so yeah, through that, I, um, I ended up yeah playing in, in loads of different clubs, getting to know loads of different promoters. Um, and that club night went on t- until around 2010. But at that point, yeah, I was DJ, you know, I kind of had a bit of a name or, you know, so I was kind of DJing at most different club nights around the city, uh, including I was a resident at a really big club night, actually, which I can't really say the name, but it's because <laughs> you'd have to beep it out. But it, it's, uh, how, how can I say it? So the, so the first word, it's a phrase, essentially, but the first word is, begins with s and it's the bed yeah does everyone understand why <laughs> i think we're following you there Justin. but this is this is this was one of the this is probably one of the biggest nights in one of the biggest club nights in probably the country yeah it's probably at that point it's probably one of the biggest nights in the country um and i was resident at that so um yeah, that was that was good. And it was it was at it was at Motion, so Motion nightclub in Bristol, which is obviously a massive massive nightclub and a well well known, well recognised nightclub in in the country. Um, so I was DJing at that every month. I was DJing at little like other little nights around around um, more student nights really in in the week, um, and. So that was around 2010. And then after that, I, because I've always, yeah, there's always different things with music I'm involved in. So after 2010, I started a magazine. So a music magazine. Um, me and three other friends. Um, this It was a free music magazine that was, um, yeah, it was distributed around the country and actually internationally because people could kind of order online. Um, and again, that, that become another, almost like another way of networking. So not, not, not only was I networking with people just in Bristol, then it was people, it was people around the whole country because the, the way we kind of, it, cause it was a free, um, publication, the way that it was funded was through advertising and it was, it was advertising normally from sort of independent record labels, artists, festivals, etc. all that sort of, so you obviously get to speak to everyone around the country. So that basically allowed me to then not only DJ in, in, in Bristol, I was DJing other parts of the country and some festivals abroad as well. I played um, this one called Outlook in Croatia. So I was able to, to play out there. So yeah, I mean, just it's another, another, it was another platform that gave me an opportunity. Um, ran that magazine for about four or five years up until probably 2015, I think, around that time. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, to say that, so that get, allowed me to DJ in, in places outside Bristol, um, stopped it, stopped the magazine, um, and then, that takes us, and then my oldest son was born. And this is where my <laughs> this is where um yeah the kind of DJing took a little bit of a backseat really. Um 
but I, I was still doing bit. I was still doing bits and pieces. But yeah, obviously for anyone who has children, they they kind of just envelop your whole life. Essentially, they they have to. They have to. They you, your time is not your own anymore. You don't control your time. They control your time. Um, so yeah, I, I just I, I just couldn't commit to DJing. You know as much as I was every every weekend so and obviously yeah you kind of don't want it really in the early days either because you know you want to see your kids grow up and you know it's cliched but they do grow up too quickly as I'm finding because my oldest one is eight now so <laughs> um so I was um yeah so kind of stopped stop DJing as much but I was still doing it was still probably doing uh once a month at least and um I was finding myself doing maybe a lot more kind of because I was getting older, weddings as well, <laughs> doing weddings as well. Um, and what else was doing? Your weddings and 30th birthday parties and stuff like that. And uh, I then, yeah, so as my kids got older, so my my oldest was born, obviously slowed down and then um, kind of slowed down a little bit. And my, my second was born um, a few, four years later, slowing down, but... Um, still DJing a bit and then that kind of takes me up to, to very recently to kind of about 18 months ago but I got offered the chance to to DJ on a radio show so I host my own radio show so it's a local radio station um, called SWUFM SWUFM for anyone who might have heard of it and um, it just it just allows me to really kind of continue just my my passion really for music and, and for DJing and um it also kind of it it, cont- it it gives me a reason to kind of keep up with with music really because it's very different you know when you DJ you really want to be you, you need to be on top of what the, the the biggest tunes are at the time um and you need to yeah, you just need to follow it really closely, which is like a job in itself. It's like a job in itself. So um, when you're not DJing as regularly in clubs and you're not being within that environment when you're hearing other DJs or you're seeing what what, what people are reacting to, it almost, you, you don't have the, you don't have as much of the drive to kind of um, seek it out as much. But now I've got a radio show. And I, I have to prepare for that every month. I've got, you know, now I've put things in place where I'm, I'm constantly finding out new artists, new music, what's working in clubs, you know, did all that sort of stuff. So, so yeah. So I sorry if that was long winded, but that's kind of taking you my whole. It's got, it's a concise um, version of my kind of musical history, my DJing history. Justin, are you still doing um, any kind of? just recreational DJing for yourself? Um, or is it actually, it's just family life, just not have space for that in life now? So if you don't mind me asking. I am, I am, I am, I am definitely 100% because um, I just enjoy DJing. You know, that's that's kind of like the basics of it. But apart from that, it's, it's I find it um, therapeutic. I find DJing therapeutic, really. It's it's something that just allows me to block out the rest of the world, essentially. Because uh, I'm so I'm someone who um, has trouble concentrating. 
my attention span is is awful and 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 you know people say it's because you work in social media but it's been it's been that since I was a kid you know I've always been all right to, I can always kind of you know do okay in my in my studies or whatever but my my attention spans really rubbish so there's there's only a few things that I really allows me to focus and 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 DJing is one of it and I can block it out and actually I will DJ sometimes when I feel I am a little bit stressed or a little bit kind of out sorts I think I'll just go and look I've got my little um <laughs> got my little kind of man cave shall we say um and I'll just you know I'll say to my my partner that I'm just gonna go and kind of go and play my toys essentially so I will go <laughs> I will go I will go in uh I'll, I'll just go into my little room and, and kind of you know just just mix for like you know an hour or, or 90 minutes or whatever and um just really kind of just immerse myself into it and it really kind of helps my mood afterwards I, I will feel just in, in in a good space Justin I'm loving loving the uh description of going to play with my toys I can empathize with that absolutely However, if I have to play with another transformer again anytime soon, I'm going to lose my mind. But, um, I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you a question about we're talking about there about you know being able to block out you know other other you know anxieties, concerns, just thoughts. I wondered if you could elaborate a little bit on the craft of mixing your own music, curating that music, and what it is about that that gives you that experience that you just you just described. Okay, I think there's two sides. I think there's two sides to this, really. I think, obviously, at its at its kind of at its basis, it's just a love of music. So the love of music drove me to want to DJ in the first place. But actually, now I find it therapeutic. When you first start to let's say beat match, so beat match, so you have two records. You know, you, you, put, you put them on your turntables and you match the beat. So you have the BPMs at the, you know, at the same tempo and you match it and you blend it. But it's actually quite stressful to begin with because you love, you, you know, you see your favorite DJ in, in a club and they're, they're doing it effortless, effortlessly. But when you first try and do it, or, you know, when I first ever began, it was like, oh God, this is not straightforward. Um, but after, when you actually get to a point where, you know, you, you master the, the basics of it, then you're concentrating on hearing your, your favourite tune, you know, blending two tunes together so they make one tune, um, using different effects, using kind of reverb and echo and... Uh, stopping a tune at a certain point and bringing a vocal in for another tune and thinking about the whole journey, you know, not thinking, oh, you know, because at, at the start, when, you, when you're first learning, it's, you're just excited to be able to match the two tunes together. But after that, you almost, you, you know, you kind of transcend that and you're actually thinking about how did, what's the whole journey? Am I, am I going to play a more heavy, more louder, heavy, rowdy tune. And then I'm going to mix into a really sweet, melodic, chill tune and, 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 and the midpoint where they meet, what does that sound like? And, and yeah. And I think 
in term, to, to get to that kind of therapeutic state, you have to master the basics first to, to, be, to be able to get into that kind of flow, really. And um, yeah, obviously, I'm, I'm kind of at that stage now where I can kind of get into that flow, you know, so, so it's like, it's, I've, I've almost, yeah, I've mastered the craft in a way. I, I'm not, gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Cole Cox, but you know, I'm, <laughs> I could do the basics so that now it becomes more therapeutic because I'm, 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 I'm thinking of the, almost like the, the wider journey of what I'm doing. Yeah. It's like, I feel like, uh, Justin, when you talk about, um, the, the, that more transcendent experience you know what comes across is that sense of freedom of expression that's happening there so getting the mechanic if I could call it the mechanics getting the mechanics right I, I love that you learned on vinyl at Centre for Music we're always trying to like persuade our students like but have a go on the vinyl though but because it's you know it's a much slower process isn't it than learning like digital techniques that they can use now with your kind of beat matching using a screen. I mean, it's like, come on, I can do this. <laughs> and I am not a DJ. <laughs> so like the, the vinyl, you make physical contact. Um, and so then once you've got that going, then you can get that expressive point. And I, I was also really interested just in the fact that you said, you've talked about your love of music, but I think it's much more than that. I think it's because of the way that you can perceive music. You know, if you taught yourself to be able to hear chord sequences, you know that is a that's a different perception level about uh what it is you know that isn't what most people are going for or or looking to do or even thinking about to be honest and i think that perception of the musical elements is what is taking you into that free space you know because because then you've got something to express you know thinking about the journey of where you're going to go and even if it's just you on your own in that in your man cave there's there's some freedom of expression that's happening there which has been enabled because of your facility on the on the, on the equipment you know the, the, the skill with the mechanics if you like but but because you can feel the music in a certain way and, and imagine a, a, a conveying something particular with what you're what you're combining do you know what i mean i, just, I love it i feel very excited about that now um for those of you who are listening um, and if you've listened to other episodes, you'll know that in this podcast, we like to make jokes about Sam and his um, chats about flow. I happen to also be uh, very interested in flow as a musician. So um, I'm going to invite Sam to come back in and maybe just grill Justin a little bit more about the nature of this transcendent state and um, and what it feels like and what it gives us. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how to take that, to be honest, um, as if we're looking for an excuse to shoehorn this in. <laughs> but it does, it does, it does lend its. I mean, obviously, you can hear it in how just in describing your your experience, and effectively, that's what it is at bottom. It's an experiential state, isn't it? And you've talked there about um, this whole the challenge side of things, and how initially, you know, the cha- the challenge is possibly outweighing your skill level, but it's you know it's persisting with that and takes considerable effort. Um, so here's a crossover with the with the serious leisure work here, um, but then through that and through trying different things, you're able to balance that out. And you were t- you were talking about how now there's almost like an automation of that skill, and that's really what I was trying to get at with the craft piece because it's the it's that it doesn't start out as a craft as such, does it? It starts out as a very kind of haphazard experimental try things out is it right is it wrong all that kind of stuff but that emergent motivation that you were describing there about oh now i can do that now now i'm going to try and play with the reverb or the bass or whatever and you start to add 
you know, another another kind of layer onto that. So and you and then you start talking about mastery. Um, but it, but at, at bottom, you were fundamentally you, you came back to and it's just because I love music. And when we talk about flow, you, you know, it's described as an autotelic experience. And autotelic means auto is it's Latin, right? So auto is self and telic is goal. So it's a self goal. So the actual the actual doing of the core activity of mixing or making music is is the motivation. So when you when you talk about that kind of therapeutic piece, uh, I, I get that. I get the same kind of thing when I'm when I'm you know I, I I'm very into kind of fitness and working out and you know it's it's a similar kind of thing for me in that in that space. It's it's <laughs> for want of a better term my Zen space if you like. You know it's it's an opportunity for me to lose myself in something I know I can I can do and play around with. I mean, it kind of links in with this idea of play as well. You get to a certain level of mastery. And there's an element of play to start with as well. You're always playing around with, is it this or is it that? You know, putting these two things together. Oh, look, there's a combination of things here that work. But then there's that kind of intentional play when you get to a certain level of mastery, which what I'm hearing in what you're saying, you know, in, in kind of the latter portions of your description there, and, and I wonder whether you could elaborate on that aspect for, for us in terms of that play component, you know, and, and you know, how, whether, whether, I mean, I've written a couple of things down in terms of, you know, it's an, it's an opportunity for you to express your own creativity, you know, in, in that sense. But that only comes at a certain point of when you feel comfortable and competent in X. So I wonder whether you could just elaborate on that, you know, that play component. I mean, I love the fact you. I'm going to go upstairs, and it comes back full circle to playing with your toys, right? So, go. I'm going to go upstairs, and I'm going to play with my toys. Now, it was a throwaway line, but actually, when we're talking about it in this context, it's you know serious play, right? Um, and yeah, no, that's exactly it. You know, um, it, it, it definitely does come down to playing with your toys, and 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 looking at how my my four year old plays is exactly the same. He, you know, he loves Spider Man. So sometimes you speak to him and particularly, um, I don't know if any of our listeners or any of you have, have, have watched uh, Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse. That is his absolute favourite. So Miles Morales is his absolute favourite. So some days you speak to him and he's so immersed in it that he thinks, he actually thinks he's Miles Morales. You say, you say to him, um, his name's Milo, you say Milo, you say Milo Miles. And like he's so immersed in it. And, 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 and you know, this is... This is this is this is it when you know when I'm DJing at that moment, I am completely immersed in it. I I am nothing, you know, I'm in the moment. I'm so in the moment that nothing else is even entering my thoughts. Um, which is that meditative state, you know, that that kind of therapeutic state. Um and I'm I'm doing I'm doing things that are completely instinctive, completely instinctive. And actually, sometimes I will finish DJing and think to myself, how or why did I do that? Why did I, why did I spin back that, that tune at that time? Why did I, um, you know, why did I decide, why did I decide to, to keep these two tunes playing next to each other at that time and, and, and be dancing like a madman with, no one else in the room you know it it's 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 just completely in, in the zone um 
and actually to be fair it's not even even though you know a lot of my experiences now are are, are in my own room by myself or recording my my radio show I think this even extends to when I'm when, when I've played in clubs or when I'm playing in clubs there used to be times when I would be DJing and I would forget I'm in the club if that sounds funny I would I would look up and there would be you know a few hundred people there and and actually it, it's it's interesting because you can come to a point where you um, you almost become too aware and that stops you being in that state and you don't want to, you, you don't want to be too aware. Like some, I would look up, I would be so involved with what I'm doing and actually enjoying what I'm doing. And, and as I say, it would, you know, it, it would just take control of my body and my movements that, and then I would look up and I think, Oh my God, I've got a room full of people and they're all, just like puppets on string like they are waiting for me and they're reacting to everything I do and and there would be moments I think no step out of it and get back in the zone um yeah thanks Justin I'm just going to use this as an opportunity again for our regular listeners to show that I will ask Sam a question about flow and I will allow him to say something about flow so Sam Given what you just heard about from Justin, would you tell us a little bit about the passage of time and flow? And also, when we talk about flow, could you um, mention the name of the theorist we're talking about as well, please? Thank you. I'd be happy to, Petia. Yes. Um, I, I'm actually more interested in the immediate term with what Justin's just been describing in terms of that, you know, lack of self-awareness you know, that lack of sense of self, which is, you know, because of that intense focus on the, the core activity of, yeah, doing that thing at that time and you're immersed in that, you're not, your your sense of self is then lost. And that's one of the key kind of features of the, of the flow state. And it, it's it, for me, it's interesting because certainly um, when you're starting something new, even though there's an interest in that core activity, sometimes the self-consciousness of doing something for the first time can get in the way, can't it? It can stop you. Um, and I know Petty has talked about um, her work with improvisational comedy uh, and, and, you know, overcoming that particular hurdle and, and Kat spoken before uh, as well in, in, the, in the other realms of music. Um, but you can see this, uh, you can see this all realms of, all realms of, of life. You know, but that self-consciousness um, becomes secondary to the doing of the activity, that self-goal, that autotelic kind of experience. Um, and, it, yeah, it, it's, it's called the paradox of the self in the, in the, in the flow theory. And uh, the theorist in question here is uh, Csikszentmihalyi, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, uh, who unfortunately is no longer with us anymore. Um, but the, the, the whole flow literature stems back to the kind of late 60s, early 70s, very similar actually to kind of the timeline of the serious ledger perspective. They actually grew up together academically, if you like. Um, but the, 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 the passage of time, you know, the, the, the way you're describing it, it's very often in flow, people describe it, you know, time stands still. It's just not something that we're aware of. It's not just something, it's not something I'm thinking of. You know, it's not, it's not important to the doing of the task. Yeah, 
and you know time flies when you're having fun you know you hear all these different kind of uh, analogies and, and turns of phrase and it's all kind of speaking to the same thing but it's really about that 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 intensity of focus you know and being in the moment and noticing only that in the moment and you, you know you've mentioned a couple of terms in terms of it being therapeutic uh, that meditative state, you know, mindfulness comes into this as well in terms of being a very similar kind of state of playing. Um, and I think we are so time poor, typically, in everything we do. I mean, I was joking at the start of the podcast before we recorded about how many meetings I've had this week. I've had no time to do anything, really, other than be in a room talking to people about other stuff. Um, but to find that kind of activity where... It doesn't matter what else is going. You know, time doesn't matter. This is my time. I'm focusing on this task, um, and I think that's you know. I think everybody will have everybody listening will have that one thing, or maybe they're looking at a couple of things that they do. They give them that kind of experience where it goes right. Okay, I might only have half an hour, but I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to focus on doing this one thing that I love and playing around with it, or you know, trying something new or whatever. But in that space at that time, that's all that matters. Um, of course, it can go the other way. You know, that, that, you know, it's not a universal good in the sense that, you know, there are certain times uh, when you should really be concentrating on what's going on around you uh, and, and can cause, um, in some cases, injury. If you're thinking about things like you know, downhill skiing or um, anything like that, you know, you, know, you, you but then, in that particular space, part of the experience is a, is a heightened awareness of your environment and everything else. So it's really interesting to hear you describe the experience um, in those terms because it's the confluence or the crossover for me between taking something very seriously but letting go. And I love that. But I'm going to stop there because I could probably take on the rest of the episode. But... Can I ask Justin whether this kind of um, uh, relaxation space or this kind of transcendental space, is this, is this really just a very recent aspect of your music activity or do you observe snippets of that, even going right back into the sort of fascinating history that you shared with us at the beginning of the episode? Um, yeah, I think, I think maybe it's just something I've recently become aware of. I just haven't really reflected on it as much before. Um, but sort of in my in my kind of history, I think I think no, I I don't think I I was. I think I think when I was younger, I was uh, probably like most people in their teenagers, just not very confident, but insecure and stuff. So I was always, yeah. You know, I would. I just wasn't very confident, so I don't think I really got into that state. Um, maybe I'm also really into the football as well. So uh, I still play football now, like for for a Sunday league team, and and that's the other time I'm probably getting into like a into the zone, if you like, into that kind of flow state. Um, so so maybe the only other time in my life was yeah. I mean, I've played football since, since my kind of my younger years, really early teens etc so so yeah that's that's probably the only other other time I've kind of been aware maybe of it okay so I know Sam wants to come in here so just one one last thing before I hand over to him um so then I'm thinking I wonder then 
what is the nature of the enjoyment that music has been giving you in these different seasons that's held you in all this time? So now, like, so you know, like busy family life, right? There's this like beautiful, peaceful place <laughs> with, the, with the DJing that is like a break from like adulting, which you know we all hate. Um, so yeah, what was the nature then of the of the hook there? To is this expression Sam will often use? What was that enjoyment like? Um, in the other life stages? Yeah, yeah, a very good question. Um, I think initially, uh, when I was really young, it was just, yeah, just just love music. But I think when I kind of got into my teenage years, it become more of a social pursuit, really, and more of a thing to that you kind of listen to or speak about, you know, I used to speak to speak about my friends or as I say, do, you know, do rap duos and, and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, so I found, you know, I think everyone's, everyone's looking for some sort of acceptance on, on some sort of level, you know, so things where you can be part of a community or, you know, be, you know, just find friendship groups. People seem to, to seem to kind of, um, move towards and I think that probably drove a lot of my my passion 50 50 I was passionate for it anyway but that then I found oh actually I can get more friends or more other people are into the same thing so I can kind of make more connections so that's something that's definitely driven driven it um moving the whole way through university say going clubbing then doing a club night oh people people you know, it becomes a little, you know, when you, when you run a club night or whatever, or you DJ, there gets a bit of ego involved as well, I guess. So people, people will end up liking you, you know, because that really for their own means, because they want to get into a club night free or they want to say they know a DJ or whatever. So there's part of that, but at the very basis, obviously I just absolutely love music. Um, and then as I've, yeah, as I've become a parent, um, now I understand more there is an escapism element to it. And, um, you know, for everyone who's a parent, your life is just, there's just, it's just busy. Like there's just a lot of noise. Like you're at work, you're constantly busy. You go home, you're onto your second job, which is, <laughs> you know, kind of dealing with your kids and your family. So any moment, you can get to immerse yourself in something. Um, it, 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 you really cherish it, and, and, and music allows you to do that. Um, and, and not 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 only just DJing it, actually just listening to it. You know, I I you know, I specific, I'm in the office today. I specifically probably the main reason I, I come into the office more than a lot of people in my office. I'm coming in kind of three times a week is because I get to walk to work. 45 minutes and in that 45 minutes I just get to listen to music and really you know really just immerse myself into it I, I don't even notice I'm walking I don't notice I'm walking you know and people if, if if a crime happened nearby and someone said was you know were you here at this time I say yeah and then if they ask oh did you see this I probably want I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you what was happening around me I was immersed you know so um yeah, just having that space to to immerse myself. I've, I've, yeah, I've definitely, as I've become a parent, especially, I, I just, uh, I totally value it. 
Man, we're almost at the end of our time, Justin, but this just opens up a huge area that I'm very passionate about myself, about music listening and what it can be like, even if you don't have the affinity with music that you have, that immersive capability of listening and how it can affect your mood and almost take you out of the moment in a way, like in the best possible way. Um, it's just amazing to you describe that. Um, Petty, I'm going to hand back to you now as we're almost at the end of our time. Thanks, Kat. I have a feeling someone's to come in first before we bring this to a close. <laughs> so. no, it was, it's just an observation. It's not 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 another question. <laughs> but uh, you know that it, it, it's fascinating to hear, and I think everybody anybody listening, you know, will, will hear parallels. In I mean, you're very articulate, Justin, in terms of how you're able to, you know, explain and describe the experience. And I have a similar kind of thing with a commute to work. So I drive 45 minutes and it's the only uninterrupted time twice a day that I get <laughs> where I can do pretty much whatever I want within reason in the car. And it's podcasts and music. And it's, you know, I don't get another opportunity. I come home and it's, you know, noise, chaos, you know, until nine o'clock and then I'm done. I haven't got any energy to do anything else. But I, I there's a couple of observations. Firstly, you know, you say you do this and you do that, you find this experience in these places. But it, and again, I can hear it in what you're saying in terms of the search for that experience. You go searching it. Sometimes you don't find it. Sometimes you go, you go to these places and for reasons best known to somebody else. It just doesn't happen. But because of that experience, because of the, and Kat's talking about the aesthetic value of this as well, um, you're drawn back. And you're drawn back to those things where you're able to experience and express yourself in these ways. And I think, you know, that's fundamental, foundational to this podcast is, you know, all of the people's serious pursuits that we've heard about throughout the course of the podcast. It's what they return to because it's what, what that activity gives them back, you know, and it's a significant amount of investment. It's a lifelong passion uh, of yours. Um, so that search for this particular experience or, you know, is, is fascinating to me. And, and given time, I'd love to get a bit more uh, deeply into it. But I did want to just emphasize or comment on, I guess, something that's been like an undertone all the way through. Uh, and that's the the attachment, and the identification with that particular social world of music. You know, it's, it was all the way through, you know, the narrative piece you did at the start and something you've just mentioned there. In terms of, yeah, you know, okay, I might be busy over here doing other things and I might not be able to immerse myself in the social world as much as I'd like, but it's still something I'm very much attached to and I identify with. And again, that's something that is, you, you know, universal in the sense that, you know, it's, it's something that all of the, the serious leisureists, for want of a better term, that we've spoken to on this podcast would share with you, you know, that attachment to a social world. And actually your, your radio show gives you that line in doesn't it so you've sort again you've sought out an opportunity to stay current stay connected um which i love and and you, the way you talk about it i could listen to you all day thanks um and it was interesting justin was uh, nodding vigorously um at your comment about the link to the social world via his uh, radio show unfortunately we are out of time so all that we have time for now is for me to thank Justin for his time and sharing his story 
with us and um, for those of us here in the, in this in this room reminding us about our youth and our clubbing and our, and our cassette tapes um, so I, I think it was um, really interesting for me to, to come, come to this and listen, listen to this from that perspective, not necessarily somebody who is deeply involved in music, but somebody who was on the receiving end of DJing <laughs> some years back. Two, maybe three years back, right, everybody? Yeah? Okay. Anyway, so thank you, Justin, Kat and Sam for a fascinating conversation. Goodbye, everyone. Until next time, when we continue to talk about leisure, work and well-being and what we can all do to engage with leisure seriously. Goodbye.